This is episode 114 of Two Views Movies on Joker, sponsored by the Buffalo Funds. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri, by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And it's finally here, something we've been waiting for for quite a while, hanging our hopes on this one pretty high, especially after Ad Astra. We are talking Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, DC Films, that's not related to any of the other DC Films, which is probably a good thing. Or is it? Well, yeah. Yeah, hindsight might be 2020 on this one, but leave it to DC to do something good and royally mess this up. Yeah, so hopefully they can roll it into into something. You know, I, I don't know. I don't have <laughs> any faith in DC at this point at all. No, neither do I. That they would, uh, yeah. they would screw this up if they tried to bring him into some sort of uh, PG thirteen Batverse. I don't, I don't have any idea what they're going to do now. I don't know. First off, I don't know what they were thinking doing this. That's not to say it didn't turn out well. It's just it's a weird thing to do. And then I don't know what they're going to do now that they have a really good problem on their hands, and I'm not sure that they have the right people in line to solve it. I feel like you have to let it go. Because they're already doing this other Batman movie and has nothing to do with anything they've done so far, but they're still doing Wonder Woman. I I don't know what they're doing over there other than just say, hey, you know what? And they're, they're remake, remaking Suicide Squad, kind of, but not. I'm not sure. I, I genuinely have no idea what's happening with that. Because they're not calling it Suicide Squad 2. It's just the Suicide Squad. Right. Which apparently they didn't learn from the Fast and the Furious. How absolutely confusing that can be for people to reference, <laughs> right? And so it's uh, I don't know if they're just like we like most of these characters, and so we're going to just try it again. And 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 you know, good old Joe Quinn has no uh, no place in this universe. So I don't know. I think it's just a standalone. He's by himself and made his own little movie and be done with it. Yeah, I think that's possible. I mean, I, I have some ideas, but. I would not put it past them to have considered the fact that this could be good and could they work it into... See, I don't think they have to work it into the new Batman, but that doesn't mean they can't set things up for it to plug in later because I'm pretty sure from all the news I've read of the new Batman coming out, Joker is not supposed to be involved in it. No, but the the style, I can't imagine anything like this, nor the, the time frame. Because we're like, well, what, I've 70s-ish? Heard... See, I thought it was 70s too, but I, I read that it's 80s. And I've also heard rumors of the new Batman being in the 90s. Okay. So th- there seem like windows here. And again, I'm not, <laughs> we'll get into it some more in a little bit. I think, there's, I think there's reasons to do it, and I think there's reasons not to do it. But again, I think that the main thing that you and I probably agree on is that DC will not do it right. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Well, having said that, let's, uh, let's kick it over to our sponsors for a quick word. 
This episode is sponsored by the Buffalo Funds, a family of mutual funds based here in Kansas City. When the stock market goes down, it may be a great time to contribute to your individual retirement account or IRA. Don't wait until the end of the year. To get your free IRA investing report, go to buffalofunds.com backslash podcast. You can open up an account online directly with the Buffalo Funds and choose from their mix of U.S., international, dividend, or income funds. That's buffalofunds.com backslash podcast. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses must be considered carefully before investing. The summary and statutory prospectuses contain this and other important information about the investment company may be attained by calling 800-492-8332 or visiting buffalofunds.com. Read carefully before investing. Mutual fund investing involves risk. Principal loss is possible. The Buffalo Funds are distributed by Quasar Distributors, LLC. And thanks again for Buffalo Funds for sponsoring this episode. Let's get into the letterbox. Then we can talk about this. The letterbox blurb during the 1980s. That's, that's well, how I knew well, it was the 1980s. There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I actually was sitting here a little bit ago and my son was in the room and I was like, oh, huh, it's the 80s. I would have picked like, I mean, I would have said late 70s. So, I mean, you're splitting hairs at that point. But yeah, thank you, Letterbox, for clarifying that. During the 1980s, a failed stand-up comedian is driven insane and turns to a life of crime and chaos in Gotham City while becoming an infamous psychopathic crime figure. Directed by Todd Phillips, who... Are you familiar with his his pedigree, his filmography? I am not. Oh, well, this will be interesting. Listen to this one. All of the Hangovers, War Dogs, Due Date, Old School, and Starsky and Hutch. Now that you say that, uh, I did go and look through that because he was saying he did this because he no longer wants to do comedies based on today's society. So I was looking back through what he had done. And, yeah. Uh, that is very, very not Joker. No. I mean, obviously there's humor there, but just the style of movie is so starkly different than any of these other movies that. It, it, I'm surprised that him as a director could could get there, having built an entire career off of hangover know, movies. I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, mainstream comedies. I mean, even old school going back. I mean, this is like, we're talking like 15 plus years of of comedies going on here. So I, I mean, I find it impressive that he was able to flip the switch like that. Yeah, no, I thought he did did well. All right, so the cast, before we get into this, Joaquin Phoenix as he beats, Robert De Niro, Brett Cullen, Francis Conroy, Douglas Hodge, Shea Wiggum, and Mark Marin. So, I don't really know where to start on this one. There's a lot of ground to cover, but let's just go with initial gut reaction when you walked out of the theater. What was in your head? So, when I walked out of the theater, it was, that was a very good movie. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I saw it, what, Friday or Thursday night, but we had uh, already heard all of the critic acclaim for it, you know, putting it as five stars and, and all that fun stuff. And so I was really wrestling with, uh, how I wanted to, to place this movie. Uh, cause mm-hmm. obviously there's things that I would change, um, in every movie there is. And so, I was, but then, uh, looking at, uh, the performances and what, uh, what it was at the end and and I was very pleased when I left. Okay. I didn't I did not think it would be as good as it was. I was worried about this. Really? Cuz I thought we both kind of had high hopes. I mean, I would say high hopes with reservations. Yes. Well, I I okay. think I had more reservations than you did coming in um because I thought it was going to be and and it pretty much was um a very slow burn of let's I'm in the camp of let's get to Joker already, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you wanted to see the, what we got. 
I don't know. I find Joker interesting, and I get that in the comics, um, sometimes we dive into his past. Sometimes they just let him be, and that's kind of how the movies are too, all the different iterations of him. I mean, the Dark Knight, just kind of he was. They purposely did not give you any background on what he was. They gave you multiple backgrounds on what he was. His story kept <laughs> sure, from, changing, from, right. which was kind of cool. Well, right, from his point of right. view. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, 89 Batman tried to give you a little bit of background by tying Napier directly into the murder of the Wayne. So there's always been these different, I guess, dips into maybe what the Joker might be. But, you know, to get an origin story of a villain just seems really interesting. And if there's one person, one villain that you would probably want to see, I think I would pick Joker simply because it's not some superhero origin story where a guy finds some secret and becomes, you know, super powered. This is just a criminal psychopath that comes to be. So there is some level of intrigue to it. So yeah, I, I was interested figured it'd be a slow burn, but obviously Joaquin Phoenix, I think is a great actor. So I was very interested to see, what happened here? Um, you mentioned the the superhero or the supervillain arc. Uh, I think the only other one that kind of has a interesting arc, not to this extreme, would be Magneto. Mm-hmm. You know, so he has a what drove him to. He's not really evil. He just has a different point of view. When Joker goes, you know, okay, what makes this guy a psychotic mass murderer? Magneto's was a, a means to an end, you know, and there's just acceptable losses. Joker's just killing to kill people. Mm-hmm. And so I think on that regard, you're right. And he has a very interesting how you get from A to B. Yeah. And I think the B of Joker, so what he becomes, there's always been different takes. Like the, the Joker in Dark Knight is very calculated right he's got all these elaborate schemes he's always one step ahead or at least thinks he's one step ahead uh you know the the joker in 89 batman was just sort of i don't even know what you would call it he just sort of was like he, he was more caricature than than anything. he's a gangster yeah and i think the idea that this joker is just a descent into madness that didn't really know like he's not he's not a smart guy he's you know, for all intents and purposes, he has mental illness, but he's not cunning. You know, he, he's kind of beat up and picked on. It, it's just a completely different take. And I think they're really leaning into the fact that Joker is just insane. Now, maybe he becomes insanely smart because he finds what he's actually really good at, which is, you know, inciting violence and, and being violent and causing mayhem. But I think it's a different Joker than anything we've ever seen, at least in TV. And and I'm purposely just skipping right over Jared Leto's Joker because I was going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go right ahead. I was going. Oh skip no, it. I was going to mention the fact that you skipped it, and that yeah, absolutely is worthy of skipping. I mean, it's wholly laughable now. Like I think we all thought that. Like I don't know anybody that really loved the Joker from Suicide Squad, but. You know, we all thought maybe that, okay, well, now that Heath Ledger has done it, the bar has been set so impossibly high. Nobody's ever going to be able to do anything even remotely like it. And maybe while Jared Leto's wasn't good, it was just also met with impossible expectations. But I think we can throw that argument out the window now. Well, and Leto's a good enough actor to where he could have done it. And so he was given, I think, a a leash to say, hey, prove it, because nobody thought Heath Ledger was going to be as good as he was when he was cast. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay. And then the images started coming out of, you know, the, the grill and the tattoos. And it's like, <laughs> mm, now I'm having doubts again. No, that's not, that's right. not a joker. And then 
the whole movie sucks, so that didn't help him at all. Maybe if the movie was better and didn't have him laying on a floor of knives, you know, uh, <laughs> like he, he maybe have fit in a better written movie. I don't know, but yeah. just the whole movie sucks. So he didn't have a, a shot at it. Um, and I, I definitely didn't like the take of damaged across his forehead because that's <laughs> right. I mean, that's pretty on the nose. Um, yeah, for sure. But no, I, I think you're right. I think it, this was almost in a forbidden category to go back to for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it took somebody with, you know, Joaquin's abilities to, uh, to do it. And, and yeah. maybe he benefited from, uh, Leto, you know, lowering the expectations, um, they're coming straight off of Heath, you know, it would have been a more, I don't know if as favorable. Uh, yeah. interpretation but when you see what other people do and then you can bring them back up you never want to follow a great you want to have one person in between you, you know? <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah no i i think that's a fair point um so i'm going to put you on the spot what what do you think about heath ledger versus joaquin phoenix now well i didn't get the joker yet heath ledger was the joker and joaquin was arthur fleck you know i had i got one minute of joker I got him putting his smile sure. on his face and then him murdering the lady uh, in the insane asylum. But uh, but you see where I'm going with this. Like, I, yes, I agree with you. It, it, it would be like uh, you're comparing Joker as a full-fledged character versus the birth of Joker. But having said that, I think you can see where where the performances have gone and what they're trying to get out of each character. So whether you're answering this from a... I don't know if you're answering this from a character standpoint, like which version of the character do you feel like is the best Joker or which actor do you feel like best performed? Just you got to give me some kind of oh, comparison if you go on, on, on what you're If you go on are. actor to actor, I think Joaquin did a better acting job, but I also think he was, he okay. was given more to do um, than, Agreed. than Heath was. Uh, but if you're saying Joker, the character, I don't see how Joaquin compares to uh, is formidable against Batman. Like you said, he's not a, he's not a smart man. And I don't see that he has the brain uh, for this. Like, he didn't have a plan. Um, and I know the, you know, uh, Heath Ledger saying he doesn't have a plan. He's just kind of winging it, you know, as he goes. Which, But that's part of his plan, you know? Sure. And so I just think he he made it more, more like he could be a fit against Batman versus Joaquin, who's going to be really old again against Batman. But the Joker was never really a physical threat as much as they tried yep. to make him. He's more of the uh, Batman versus Superman of why is this guy still around, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, which is which I think is what makes it interesting. Uh, I mean, because even the Heath Ledger, ba- or, sorry, even the Heath Ledger Joker was technically not a physical match for right. Batman. I mean, so I, I like the insanity of it. I like that... Maybe I don't know. I'm just curious to see where it goes. I I agree with you. I do think that I think Joaquin Phoenix probably had the better performance, but I also think uh, that's just the nature of the script and what they were trying to do. He got a whole movie dedicated to him where the Dark Knight was about Batman, but it's about Batman versus Joker. So he can only do so much, whereas this is a whole movie dedicated to him. But I mean, I think if you had taken like Heath Ledger's Joker and given it a Joker style movie, like what Joaquin Phoenix had, I, I'm perfectly fine thinking that Heath Ledger could have turned in just as great of a performance given what we saw. No, I agree. I agree with that. 
So I think I agree with you. It's tough to sort of figure out who would do the better one. I I think clearly I'm more intrigued by this new version of the Joker because while I like the calculation and a little bit of the chaos and stuff that the Dark Knight had, I really don't know where they would go with this one. Like it feels like the dude is just legit insane. And I'm sure over time he would hone that into something that would just cause mass amounts of chaos on a large scale that then Batman has to deal with. So I'd be, I think I'd be more interested to follow the walking Phoenix Joker than the Heath Ledger Joker, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I I don't get that. Uh, I, I like the, um, the plans. I like that. He's two steps ahead. I like that. He's outsmarted Batman throughout the entire dark night the only thing that didn't work was the last bomb but everything else worked Mm -hmm. you know uh exactly like you wanted it to and i like that in a villain that's not just oh the the hero outsmarted you at the end and then you lose Uh, i like them being four steps ahead sure but also at the same time um you know even he alluded to it of he doesn't really have a plan you know he's just kind of doing stuff that uh which is interesting too burning the big pile of money it's not about money it's about killing people yeah um or just chaos not necessarily killing people just chaos and um i think uh this version i don't i i still don't know how it gets from a to b um he's surely likes to kill people but i don't see him running a group of people um i don't see him being a formidable villain beyond just getting caught because he just he was barely ahead of the detectives by hours. Right. You know? (laughs) And so it was, and even that just happened to be a, a bus full or a subway full of clowns that he got right in there. But to your point, isn't there, isn't there something to be said for, he is just becoming Joker. So maybe it's this side of him that he's barely tapped into. Cause he alludes to this in the movie that when he killed the three wall street guys, he, he didn't feel anything. He didn't feel sadness. And he you could tell throughout the movie that as he becomes Joker, he becomes a different person. Like he no longer has his laughing disease. He clearly feels more comfortable in his skin. He so it makes me think that maybe he's tapping into something that he's never tapped into before, which takes him from somebody with a mental illness that can't function in society in a way in which people want him to be like that line he writes in his book about, you know, people uh, with mental illness, people expect you to behave like you don't have one to where now he's just fully embracing like the maniacal side of him. So that if there is a next movie or there is more story to him, it's that embracing of the insanity and hysteria that makes him, you know, capable of more than what he was ever to be as Arthur. See, and that's, that's what's going to be the problem is the next movie of bridging the gap of making him still feel like Arthur of right. Like they just leaped and yeah, Joaquin's very good, but I don't think that they're going to be able to tie it back to this one and fight Batman. I just don't think it's going to fit. Yeah. And I don't think that they would, I, I, for all intents and purposes, I think Arthur is dead. I, I feel like that's how the movie ends is he is Joker. Now that all the ailments, all the, whatever that led him up to be into this transformation, I don't think they would dip back into it. So it is probably going to feel like a very different movie. I don't, first off, you know, it's debatable whether they would do another movie, but if they did, I would feel like there would, 
not be any flashbacks back to Arthur and his past. He, he is Joker now. He is this fully fledged insane criminal. And that's where we have to dive more into that as opposed to looking backwards. Okay. So, and we'll get back to you, how you felt at the theater. We'd never got your feel, but you, uh, <laughs> you mentioned the, would DC be smart to leave this alone or be smart to try to capitalize on what's happened here? So here's my take. Assuming it's not DC. Yeah, yeah, sure. If it was if it was a competent studio. What I would do is I would try something radical to be drastically different than what the MCU is doing. Now, given the MCU has kind of done this with Deadpool, even though he's not in the MCU and that but that's all changing with the Fox deal. I would create a new label. And I don't know if they have one in comics. I feel like I've heard this or before, but I think I called it on Twitter like DC Black or something like that. I would create an R-rated franchise of or a universe of comic books because I think that there's an appetite for it given Deadpool, the Marvel side. And I think there's going to be an appetite for it now having seen Joker. And I think you just roll the dice and separate yourself from Marvel by having two different universes. You have the kid-friendly DC universe with Wonder Woman and Superman and stuff, and then you go super dark with the Joker universe, and you can fold in a Batman and even some of the other people from Gotham. I mean, it's hard probably to get like Metropolis and Superman in there because I'm not sure that that fits, although I would be all on board with an R-rated Superman just to see what in the world would right. happen. So I think that's what I would do. Like, do something different. Establish yourself different. Don't you clearly are not having success following Marvel, so do something very non-Marvel. Is there a a Batman? Are we, are we to the point to where we've we've seen enough of Gotham? I don't know. I, I I say I would say yes, but I mean, how long has Gotham been around in some way, shape, or form? I mean, the '60s had the TV show, and then we got Tim Burton in the '80s, and we got Joel Schumacher in the '90s, and Chris Nolan did it. I mean. Yeah, to a certain extent, I would say yes, maybe. But at the same time, I also feel like people are always open to new interpretations of what's going down in these universes. And I think that the more people skip over the retread parts, like you know, Spider-Man, we don't need to see the Uncle Ben thing again. We got it. You know, I get that in Joker, they ended on the uh, murder of the Waynes. So, I mean, I kind of... I kind of was okay with that, but like you mentioned, the, the murder of the Waynes. Can we be done with the pearls? <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually thought to myself when that happened, I was like, "Is that like some panel in the original comics that people just feel the need to put?" They have to have the pearls. Where are the pearls? You know, fanboys right. need pearls, right? I, I, so, I, you, do you know? I, I'm, I'm, sh- like, I'm sure it's in there. You. I'm sure there's a scene in okay. that they always reflect back to. Um, but come on, it doesn't need to be in every yeah. movie. Like you said, I'm fine. I'm fine with them getting shot, and I'm fine with them, you know, doing the how because I feel like it was necessary in this one of who killed Thomas Wayne. Uh, was yeah. it, you know, Joaquin, or or was it just you know random acts of violence that he inspired, which was an interesting twist. Uh, but it didn't need to see the pearls again. Yeah, and I'm good with that. I really did not want them to make it be Joaquin that killed Thomas Wayne. I was perfectly good with it being this the the class warfare and the violence that was inside it but but my point i guess to answer your question about the gotham stuff i i think people still want to live in that world they want to go visit that world they want new interpretations so as long as you're doing something new that people haven't seen i think they're good with it it's just when you keep doing the same stuff over and over again people get annoyed and i think that one way you separate yourself from that is by going full r-rated 
having this dark universe of Batman where, you know, the people in Arkham are crazy and you honestly, you see the violence and you dip into the, the insanity. And even Batman himself is really dark and struggles with a lot of things. And you can really dive into that if you want. But the more you try and keep it PG 13 or for everybody, the more it, I think it, it becomes a retread. So that's why my suggestion for DC would be to go full R with a separate franchise. I think people can distinguish between the two. No, I, I agree. I agree completely. Uh, if you're going to do Batman again, uh, it has to be so much different. And I think the R route uh, is the way to go. But when you do Batman and you already have the Joker, the rest of the villains aren't very interesting at all. Um, yeah. And if they can't kill people, you know, and you're not showing that that brutality that the penguin can do. He really sucks. He's a he's a really stupid villain. And and then you yeah. can go down the list of there's not a good villain outside the Joker. And you, you can yeah. say that with a uh, you know even Spider Man's uh uh villains. That's why they keep going back to the the same ones. Uh, they have a lot of them. I feel like they're very comparable. Spider Man's villains and also Batman's is that they're just there's a lot of really crappy you know, rogue gallery there and yeah on screen especially in a grounded universe like like what you're trying to do with this one it seems like it's i don't know where where you go you don't bring in mr freeze into the you know and <laughs> no. even if you did it's, it's really dumb because he's a dumb character sure but at the same time you could look back at the nolan franchise and see what they did with scarecrow and even, I mean, Ra's al Ghul, which I know not many people know about him, but I mean, those weren't bad, what they did with those. Bane was even okay. I mean, Bane in the comics is ridiculous, but in the movie, they just made him a very large beast of a man. And I think there's ways of doing some of these, especially if you're going to let yourself get even more gritty. You can take a little bit more of a sinister angle and make these people like the Riddler. I mean, you could make him, you know, a serial killer of sorts if you're going to go that dark. Yeah, I think there's things you can do. Yeah, you have to go, you have to go like seven, you know, uh, yeah. if you're yep. the Riddler type of thing. And to me, seven fits in with a lot of like the the themes and visual styles that we were getting in in this movie. Like this movie, Joker was dark and it was about mental illness and and like this almost like seedy underbelly of society a little bit. And I think going those routes and living in that world and embracing it, it is what they need to do. So. Back to how you started. How'd you feel when you get walked out of the movie? <laughs> uh, I, I was, I was highly impressed. Um, I immediately knew I was going to be debating between a four and a half and a five in my head. I, I'm just really strict with my fives, and I know that it's usually a gut feel. And I, I wasn't quite sure where I was on those two, but I felt like I saw a truly great performance. It was a new take on a comic book movie that we just haven't seen before. I mean, even I think some people like to praise Watchmen as being a kind of gritty take on superheroes and stuff, but this blows this out of the water, right? Uh, Joker's I think a far better movie than, than Watchmen in, even in the context of like realistic, you know, I'm doing air quotes, superhero movies, but his performance was fantastic. I, I had no issues with hardly any of the movie. I mean, it is a slow burn, but I always felt like it was building towards something and I I just couldn't get enough of Joaquin Phoenix on the screen. It it did enough with the plot to keep things 
moving and fresh and keep me on my toes a little bit. And you just, you kept, it was like watching water boil, just like slowly boil. And you can just feel it getting ready to like eventually just turn into a full blown boil and like spill over the pot. And that's what I thought this movie was. Uh, I have very few complaints about the movie. So how do you think it'll hold up on a rewatch as far as plot goes? Because I do feel like you can appreciate the performance again. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's going to hold up. I, I genuinely do, because I think the plot is so much about the performance. Like we've talked about this before in an earlier podcast. I think it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where I kept making the point that it's really there's not a lot of plot there. It's really just, okay, once upon a time in Hollywood, I was following Leo and Brad around doing whatever. This is really just following Arthur around in his, I don't know, it feels just like a few days span where things just go so wrong for him over this course of a few days that he transforms from a guy, a normal guy, just trying to work a eight to five as a clown into a criminal psychopath. And it's not the plot that's moving him along. It's not the things happening around him necessarily. It's like his reaction to things and the things that he does that moves the the story along. So I feel like it's a very character-centric plot. And I think that lends itself to a lot of rewatches because the character is so interesting and performs so well. So I think it's going to hold up. I, I'm, I would like to go see it again in theaters. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit different. Uh, I do think I'd be able to appreciate what he does on screen. Um, I think a lot of my enjoyment was anticipation of what, how he gets to the Joker and what the end of the movie is going to bring. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that, that, uh, that it will be worse on the, on the rewatch, but, uh, I'm, I have that in the back of my head of it. It's a slow movie Mm -hmm. and I hope that, uh, I mean, obviously you have to be in the right frame of mind for, for such things, but it's a. I hope that it holds up for me, but I can see me being waiting for certain scenes and not enjoying it as much on the second time around. Is that because of the lack of action? Uh, maybe. Well, it's more of I want him to be Joker, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting for him to be Joker, and so I was more invested in where where's that switch, you know? And when I know what's coming, I don't know how I'm going to feel watching the rest of it. I think it'll be a different experience for sure but I just hope my enjoyment level is still where I have it. I can kind of see that, but I mean, you had to know going in, you were not going to get a lot of Joker. Oh yes. You know, I I was hoping to be pleasantly surprised. And and what we saw in the trailer was like the first 20 minutes and then I'd get Joker the rest, but I knew that was, (laughs) that was not going to happen. But uh, it kind of defeats the point of an origin. It didn't have to be a complete, I mean, he can be the Joker and be the origin of his crime spree. I mean, that's, kind of what it is uh, just it just started at the very end well sure i mean i don't know i i, w- I want to see more joker <laughs> i well, less arthur more joker i think everybody probably wants to see more joker especially by the end of the movie where i think i mean if you liked the movie and you liked the performance and everything then sure you want to see the natural continuation of this and yeah i would love to have seen more of what happened but i i was perfectly happy with the story arc that we get about how he became the Joker. And I mean, I guess I, yes, he officially becomes the Joker in probably what the last 15, 20 minutes. I don't know exactly. Um, It it didn't, maybe it was even less than that. I don't know, but I felt like, I don't know. It felt more like all I can think of is that poster that they had where the Arthur's face is melting 
And instead of him applying paint, you know, it's the Joker underneath him, obviously implying he's the Joker all along, blah, blah, blah. But I felt like that's what we were getting this whole movie is just like, I, I knew obviously that he's Joker and it's just this constant reveal of more and more and how is he going to embrace it? So I never felt like, oh, I'm not getting Joker. I just felt like it's the slow reveal of the Joker. So like maybe it's not like zero to a hundred. It's like, okay, 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%. That's what I felt about that whole build. So I never really felt like, oh, I got shortchanged on Joker. I thought it was going to build. I just wanted, at, you know, the last third of the movie to be Joker. Not like the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. But again, that's just me wanting, wanting more Joker. <laughs> sure. But so there's, I, I have in my notes here, I have two, uh, two things I feel like we need to, to discuss. Okay. Uh, first one is Zazzy mm-hmm. and how that all went down. Okay. What are your, what are your well, thoughts there? Well, so she is basically Tyler Durden, I guess. Um, she doesn't exist well, in, until she does, but from many of what we see of her, it's not really there. Sure. It's all in his mind. Yes. How'd you feel about all that? Uh, I felt like I was embarrassed as a movie obsessed person that I did not see that coming because it's very tropey. It's cliched. It's been done a million times. And especially when I knew I was watching a movie about somebody with a mental illness, that that should have been something right at the forefront of my mind, that some of the things he's experiencing is not real. But kudos to the movie and the performance for captivating me so much, I guess, that I I did not play the game of can I outsmart the movie? I think maybe because I was just enjoying it so much. Um, it should have been a giant red flag. Like, because when they, uh, there's a scene, I guess, where they kind of hook up. And I was like, well, that's that's really fast and really bizarre. And why is she okay with him stalking him? And I should have known, but I didn't. So, um, but generally speaking, I'm okay with it. I think it. I think they played it out very well. Um, like I said, been done before, but executed well is what I would say. So because it's so tropey, did you feel like it was out of place when it was revealed? I mean, you weren't looking for it because I didn't think a movie like this would have would have done that. I didn't feel like it was out of place. I actually thought I felt like it was done extremely well. So the reveal of when he walks into her room, you know, you're sitting there thinking, oh, he's had such a bad day. And he's losing it, and he because he just killed his mom, I think, right? Right. And then he walks into her room, and you're like, okay, well, how's this going to play out? Because you know, uh, is he going to tell her that he killed his mom? Uh, you know, what in the world is going to happen here? And then you're met with like this abrupt, you know, she's taken aback, and she's like, you're, I think you're in the wrong room, and you're like, well, what does she mean that that she she still knows him and likes him? But like, you're kind of just like, well, what's going on here? And then you know, the reveal of all the scenes where. She was there. She wasn't really there. I mean, again, tropey, but like I thought they executed it very, very well. So, did you understand when she said your name's Arthur, right? Yes. Yeah. Because your name, or did you need the flashbacks to say what? Uh, no. I, when she said your name's Arthur, right? I was like, oh, I've been had. See, no, I was more on the. I I still don't understand why she said that at that point. Gotcha. And I'm like, that's that's weird. Um. So you needed then, the flashbacks uh, is what you're saying. I, I needed the flashbacks to connect it to other than it's like, why would she not have known his name? Right. <laughs> you know, at, at this point in their, their relationship. Yep. Um, so that, uh, so I had this movie uh, pseudo spoiled for me. Okay. Uh, coming in, um, a gentleman 
uh, to the left unnamed, uh, <laughs> said that he uh, he read the script and he goes, yeah, I found it online, read the script, and uh, you know, so it ends with the uh, the Joker killing Zazie because um, she doesn't love him like he loves her, and so I'm like, wait, hey, stop, spoilers, then I you know, removed myself from the situation. And so that's, <laughs> and so that's, you know, what's in my head the whole time, you know? And so I'm, it's kind of like uh, when I was told in the sixth sense, uh, not that Bruce Willis was a ghost, but that Bruce Willis was the devil. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting, I'm waiting for him to be revealed as the devil the entire time right. trying to find, you know, uh, again, the movie was ruined for me but in a different way than what it was. And so my question to you, because they didn't quite lay it out there, but did he kill Zazie? No. You don't think he killed Zazie? Because he came back into his apartment with this different aura about him, thinking that, me thinking that he killed her. So no. When he put the gun to his head and all that. Yeah, no. For me, I I had zero interpretation that he killed Zazie. I felt like the change in him that came out of being in Zazie's room was he then realized that none of what he had had in his head was real. So that's kind of the moment where he's snapping and not only is he snapping, he understands he's snapping and he's embracing it. So I never once got the impression that he killed her. I just felt like that was the tipping point. There is an end kind of montage where it started showing, showed a couple of people that died. Then it showed Bruce Wayne with his parents laying in the, in the, uh, the alley. Uh, I thought they were going to show Zazie dead in her apartment at that point. Yeah. You know, kind of, it was kind of going through all the all the murders, mm-hmm. uh, but they they stopped with Bruce. They just wanted to show, hey, Bruce is standing in the alley, I guess. Um, but I thought they were gonna gonna show that because they didn't really spell it out. But I again, that's what was in my head because that person put it there. So right. I don't know how well it uh, how that affected my my viewing experience, but that's what I was waiting for was him killing her because she didn't love him like he loved her. And so I was thinking through the movie that you know they had a romantic relationship how awkward it started anyway mm-hmm. um, but then she was either finding out how messed up he is and wanted nothing to do with him and then he went psycho on her or did not see the, the tyler durden coming yep i didn't either which again i'm embarrassed by but i, I mean <laughs> i have heard that all the reports that came out about this movie was that they were changing the script like the day of filming like they would just change it which usually when you hear stories like that you're like oh boy this is going to be a mess of a movie that's going to be you know tonally incongruent and there's gonna be plot stuff that doesn't make sense so if those stories are true that they were changing things on the fly uh i'm impressed because this seemed like a pretty seamless movie well it didn't it wouldn't make sense for him at that point to kill her uh he killed his mom because he thought she betrayed him Mm -hmm. uh and lied to him and and all that he was going to go kill himself. He killed the the other clown, right? You know, because he had done him wrong, but left the uh, the little guy, yeah. You know, because he was always nice to him, right? So it didn't make sense for him to kill Zazie. So maybe that they removed that because it didn't really flow. Because he was ready to go kill himself on on camera. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. I had the same exact thought that the only way that would have made sense is if he just went on a mass killing spree after that, like just everybody was just gone, but you can't have him kill Zazie and then turn around and let the uh, little guy go that just, it would feel wrong. Right. Right. And so when he smashed the guys, the big clowns head into the wall, Mm -hmm. I thought this is the beginning of a, a murder spree. I did too. Like I, I I thought, okay, he is gonna, everybody in his path is, is getting it. 
Yep. And then at, at, at that at that part, I already thought Zazzy was dead, but okay. we just didn't see it. Yeah, I so. I did. I thought the same thing. Like everybody's gone at this point. But then I actually liked the way that they did it because he's he's not full blown killing just to kill. He at this point he's killing because they've it's the people that have wronged him and he's right. trying to get back at those people. Now, maybe by the end when we get the, I assume that's a little bit of a flash forward. I'm not quite sure when he's in the mental hospital and kills the lady who's talking to him. Um, maybe at that point he's killing just for fun because I mean, I don't see how she could have done him wrong given the context of what we've got. But um, I, I like that progression. So did you think he was just messing with a little guy with chain? Oh man, that whole scene, that was, that was, a really, really great scene because it had, you know, violence. It had insanity. It had humor. Um, you didn't quite know what was going to happen because of what he just did. Like, is he messing with the little guy? Is he not? And I feel bad saying little guy. I have no idea what the correct nomenclature is anymore. Uh, I think it's little people. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, it's a little guy. No, no fits, offense intended. I think. Yeah. Right. Um. But yeah, that was such a great scene because I didn't know what was going to happen. And then they, you know, the guy can't reach the lock and get out. So you're wondering if Arthur is going to have second thoughts about like, is he sane enough to, you know, understand that the guy could go tell on him and he just doesn't care? Or is he insane enough that he just would let him go because he doesn't care? Like there was so much happening in that one scene that I, I was a huge fan of that scene. See, I thought that was going to be kind of the beginning of him strategizing, killing people moves ahead mm -hmm. and so him locking the top lock knew that he was gonna be messing with him you know yeah, and so I, I, so I was like I was like okay so he he's a really really sick individual of you know he lets his this guy think he's gonna let him go but then oh nope <laughs> i guess not you know and it's like oh this is really awkward and then i just thought he was gonna <laughs> just keep kind of messing with him and then kill him yeah i thought that's that's how it was gonna go i go down i mean um, that would have been a good little joker prank for all intents and purposes i guess but like it feels like it would have been too fast for him to go from you know the arthur that we know to like cunningly evil right right I, it would have been too fast and again it didn't fit the uh hey he's gonna go on the show and kill himself right because he changed his mind when he was on the show that he wasn't gonna do that yep. and so anything leading up to that point you know of him strategizing anything wouldn't have made made a lot of sense yeah it's more impulsive so i i get why it's not but that's kind of my feeling of you know the first time through what i was what i was thinking about then yeah makes sense all right so what was your second point you had bruce wayne's brother yeah i i didn't buy that for one second not so you, one second i did because it's dc <laughs> fair um, that's totally fair. so i i looked at uh, my wife and rolled my eyes i'm like please come on don't do this you know, it was, uh, I, <laughs> I, I get what they were trying to do and rope it all together, but I, that's awful. Yep. And I thought that they, they go, well, it's just a one-off movie. So it's not like it has major implications for, you know, the DCU you know, universe. Um, but I was like, don't do this. This is woefully unnecessary. Yep. I totally agree. And that's what made me think there's zero chance that they do this. I, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It would have been a really sour note on an otherwise great movie. And I will give them credit that I like how they resolved it, that it, you know, because 
they tied that to his sense of not having a father, but then his mother was the one who was actually deranged and lied. And then you get into a little bit of the abuse that he had and that sets him off to kill his mom, which starts the ball rolling. And I'll give them credit for the fact that it was a good like rope dope I didn't buy it, so I expected it to resolve itself somehow, but I really, really enjoyed the way that they resolved it. So I liked the, hey, Thomas Wayne's going to take care of us because I was an employee mm-hmm. and I was let go and it's all family. And so I, I bought into her feeling that way. Of And then even the inspiration for the Joker to call out Thomas Wayne because he, he didn't help them once they were let go. Mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, okay, that's kind of the underlying tie-in and i feel like that's all it needed to go um as far as his his not him bringing up thomas wayne on on the show was because his mom was cast aside right if you will i think you could have brought up the mental illness and the adopted and and all that stuff in a different way and not have it you know on wayne's doorstep Mm -hmm. but um i mean i'm glad that it wasn't true. Uh, I just, uh, it was truly grown worthy for me in the movie thinking, uh, not putting it past them that they would do that. Sure. Yeah. I think that's entirely fair. I like how it acknowledges the future of Batman versus Joker on at least a semi personal level that, but it isn't so personal like the Napier stuff from 89 where, you know, it's him who killed his parents. Like he, indirectly he did but it's it's enough there to build out that world and give you a sense of what's to come in the future and why batman versus joker should be the main rivalry without being overly cheesy about it which is what it would have been had they been half brothers yeah no agreed (laughs) we're, we're, we're brothers but then again you'd have to have joker know that it's bruce wayne sure you know as batman right which Sure, you, you can, but again, that ruins a lot of agreed stuff. Yeah. So, okay, what are your thoughts on, I mean, because there's a couple of things, all the stuff about, you know, inciting violence in real life, um, you know, clearly this movie taps into a lot of classism stuff that's happening right now, but... I mean, if you remember back to The Dark Knight Rises, it, it talked a little bit about the 99% and the 1%. I think Catwoman has a couple spiels where you know she talks about the haves and the have-nots. But how do you feel about using the class system of Gotham as like the inspiration for this? And then I, I guess I would want, wonder like if you took that a next step further, like what were your thoughts on like everybody's interpretation of this movie as it relates to our world? So in general... I hate movies with a quote unquote message Mm -hmm. um, or try to move a political agenda. It turns me off more than, you know, all of a sudden you start preaching at me of, Oh, this is why blood diamonds are bad. You know, (laughs) it's like, like, I don't, I don't want to hear that in in my movies. I'll watch a documentary or something with that intent. I don't need it, you know, in my comic book movies. Uh, That being said, uh, class warfare has always been an issue with Gotham. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that has always been, it's, it's that kind of city. It's not metropolis, it's Gotham, right. you know, and it's, it's people on the streets. It's, I liked it, how they did the, uh, um, the trash strike, uh, just to have a little, even more dirtier, grimier city, mm-hmm. um, than what you'd expect of the trash everywhere. Um, I, I think that's, it's a, it's a good, it's a good play for what they did. 
uh, why would these people side with the Joker? Because um, they're downtrodden. They're not just evil people. Right. They they turn that way, I guess, um, when they're killing cops to free him. Um, but and that's only a handful of them. But people are upset of their situation, and they are pointing at the the one percenters, if you are to. Um, some are pointing at them to, to fix it, and some are blaming them. Um, and so it's not too far off of what's what's going on. Uh, I will say, though, that I was very aware of who was in my theater. <laughs> um, and there was a point in the movie to where I got really uncomfortable and was looking around um, at who was coming and going, you know, bathrooms and whatnot. and it added to the intensity of the movie because as things started progressing, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking around, you know, I'm less looking at the theater and I'm like, and a lot of that was the the hype coming in of, you know, from the dark Knight rises and and things that happened with that. Um, when that came out and then people saying the same thing's going to happen with, with the Joker. And, and then there's just certain scenes of like, if somebody had seen this before, this is the scene in which they would, do something right you know it's like okay they just yeah those wall street guys should have been killed you know um because they're rich you know they they didn't know them on a personal level to know that they were assholes Um, (laughs) right you know they just knew that they were rich and they deserved to die you know and so it's like okay this is just really uncomfortable you know because you don't know you you can't fix crazy you know it's it's out there and some people are um Maybe I don't know that they'd take it to the next level, but there's a lot of people that take less things to the next level. Sure. And, and blame it on a news article. Right. Much less a movie. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I had this conversation with uh, some of my family who I went to see this with afterwards, and I get it. I get why maybe there'd be a little bit more sensitivity around the movie. I, I kind of question why why Joker gets singled out. I mean, I know the ties back to Dark Knight Rises and stuff, but I feel like there's so many other examples of media, whether it's movies or TV shows or whatever, that can incite people that I, I'm not sure that this one deserved as much scrutiny as it got, um, especially for assuming that people would go do something at the movie without having seen it. But I, I, to your point, I mean, there's obviously people that could watch it be inspired and come back. But I, I guess, I don't know. I, part of me feels like that's the case with everything. And, and I do see people's point after this, that, you know, somebody who might liken themselves to Arthur Fleck might get inspired by something like this. But I have a hard time separating that from any other movies that, you know, present bad guys in a way in which you can relate to. I mean, sure. This one makes it a little bit more, relatable it it doesn't paint him as a hero but it certainly i don't know there's a couple lenses to look at this movie through you could look at it as somebody who might see an inspiration in arthur fleck and thus the violence and the attention and whatever um but i think you can also see it from another angle which is if you're not arthur but you know people like arthur maybe you should treat them a little differently i mean not to say you do treat them poorly but there's just so many different ways you can view this movie that i don't think it's fair to paint it all in one light i think you need to take it in its totality and look at it from as many different angles as you can and try to glean from that so i i do feel like it's been kind of unfairly i don't want to say slandered but maybe just singled out but i also get it so i I struggle with that but as far as the movie goes i thought they used the class warfare message perfectly you know thomas wayne who we've all seen as 
the savior of Gotham and everything like that. Um, he's still trying to be that, but it doesn't feel that way to the have nots. And I, I think that's highly relatable to today's world. Yeah. Well, I think there's two, there's two things in this one, obviously don't bully people. Sure. You know, cause you don't know who you're bullying or who's their last, their last straw. Right. Not, not that, that that's why you shouldn't bully people, but don't bully people. And I don't think that's the, the issue. I think people are having issue with basically the last five minutes of him saying, now I'm being seen mm -hmm. because I've killed people. Right. And I think that's the inciting of it, of people that feel like they're not being seen, like this is how you get seen. Sure. And, and so maybe that's the piece of it that people are taking exception with, of that's how I get my notoriety. And now people are seeing me and now I can finally be myself right. because I've killed these people. Yeah, I, I get it. But I, is that art imitating life or life imitating art? Sure. Sure, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, a, movie. it's, it's a movie. You know, these people sure. are going to probably do something messed up anyway from watching Mission Impossible, maybe. Well, you know, but it's that, and it's isn't it also just super easy to blame a movie, and as oh, opposed yeah. to like you know looking at ourselves and and blaming the society that we've created that that causes these things to happen in real life. I mean, that's where I kind of get a little perturbed at like the singling out of the art. I mean, I, I totally get it. I'm not, I'm not thick. I'm not dumb, but I think that people that are potentially looking at this movie and criticizing it's like solely this, like, okay, well, are you criticizing all the other stuff that happens in real life that might actually be the root of these problems as opposed to a movie, which is maybe more of a mirror that's reflecting back at us and we don't like what we see. Well, it's kind of like that movie, uh, what the hunt or the hunted. Mm-hmm. Um, that was taken out of movies before it was even aired because they were, you know, it was people hunting people and it was, you know, the haves versus the have nots. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they just said, well, we're not going to air that now because it's not the right time for it. I'm like, I don't, I mean, there's, there's literally hundreds of movies of people hunting people <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, and, 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 and that, and that's not going to be the one that makes somebody decide they're going to set up the most dangerous game <laughs> right. you know, in their backyard and hunt people. Yeah. I mean, Sure, timing, you you take out some things. I don't think that movie needed to be taken off the shelf. I haven't seen it, but right. um, I don't think that's going to incite violence. But right, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we haven't dove into the movie itself. We've been talking a lot about the, uh, here and there we have. But I guess overall, it, I was just kind of circling back to the beginning really impressed with the quality of this movie all the way around. I mean, there's moments of violence. There's moments that you're like tense and scared. There's humorous moments. I mean, they're like just small things where Arthur's in the club watching the stand-up comedian and everybody laughs, but he laughs too. But the way he does it is so off from what everybody else is doing that you can see he's trying to fit in, but he doesn't really understand comedy, even though he wants to be a comedian um, there's the moment where after he talks to the cops and flicks the cigarette, he <laughs> runs right into the glass door, which comes out of nowhere. There's just this movie I felt like did a great job of not being one thing. It, it, it branched out inside of like this world that it created and made you really see all the different sides of Arthur. And I just, I, I really enjoy the character and the performance and the writing. I, there's not anything that I, I really have to say bad about the movie. Well, you mentioned the the nightclub of him watching 
uh, the guy do stand up and he was laughing at all the setups mm-hmm. then not the punchlines. <laughs> right. So he was, he was uh, obviously not in tune with, with everybody else. And I thought that, like you said, I thought that was a good, a good show of, he doesn't understand again, comedy or even society. Right. You know, he's so out of touch that he's, what he thinks is funny is not right. <laughs> what did you think about the laughing disease? Well, I've I've never heard of that. If that exists, uh, so supposedly it does. I had read okay. that he researched that going into it. Okay, um, I think that it fits with the Joker. Mm-hmm. So why not? Yeah, I, I particularly liked that it he would get choked up, like not crying, but it. He did a great job of like when he was on the stage trying to do his stand up. He he didn't want to laugh. He wanted to try his stand-up routine, and the laughter came out so much that it was truly choking him. So you, you did get this impression that it's not just a like it's a mental and a physical ailment that he has. And I just thought that was such a good touch to make it that he truly cannot control this laughter. It'd be one thing to hand that plastic card or the laminated card to the lady on the bus, and then the rest of the movie he's just bursting out in laughter. But the, the extra layer of acting and writing that he's trying to choke back this laughter is... Just brilliant. Yeah, I have zero complaints with uh, with Joe Quinn's performance. Yeah, it's truly uh, an all-time performance. I, I thought it was fantastic. To kick off our Oscar season, finally. Yeah, which I don't... <laughs> We've been trying to do it for like eight movies, and we finally got one that we both feel is, uh, right. is worthy of such things. Yeah, um, so the only last thing I think I have is... If I had a minor complaint about anything, um, aside from a music choice that we'll we'll talk more about. Oh, yes. That's my other note here. Okay. So before I get to that, the only thing that felt a little bit out of place to me was when Joker is on the set of the show at the end of the movie, and he goes on kind of a political... He basically rants about what's wrong with the world today. And I didn't... I don't mind it. I didn't feel like it was preachy. The only thing that I felt slightly off about was like, it just didn't feel like Arthur to me. And I think that's okay because maybe as Arthur, he would have trouble piecing that all together and, you know, kind of eloquently saying what he wanted to say about how he feels and how he's been treated. Cause he doesn't, I don't know. His journals are scrawling rants and it just felt kind of polished when it was coming from Joker, but I can buy into the fact that now that he's Joker, maybe he's, you know, he's not choking on his laughter. He his thoughts are still insane, but more clear in his head insane. Um I don't know, did did that stand out to you at all? Um I, I know what you're saying. Uh I feel like it was necessary for the movie. Yes. To incite the the uh, the crowd and and the city of him pointing out why um opposed to just shooting you know Robert De Niro because mm-hmm. that would have uh obviously that doesn't have a message right you know and so I think him letting letting the people know why he's doing it um made the rest of the movie make sense right. uh, I do see your point I could see it both ways mm-hmm. uh, of one it's kind of off but to if you want to say he's changed because he is now the joker then i can buy that too okay did you know that he was going to shoot robert de niro no i figured it i mean 
like how I mean how far into the movie. Well, I I expected as soon as he was taunted on the show. I actually I assumed going into the movie Robert yeah. De Niro was dead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but into the movie where I thought it was pretty uh pretty obvious was when they started making fun of him. Yeah, I I think I had that in my mind from the trailer because you, you clearly know he's getting on the show because they show him dancing in front of the curtain. I mean, it, could it have been a vision or a dream? Sure. But I kind of went into it with the assumption of something bad's going to happen on that show. And then as the movie just kept building towards it, and I know that they were trying to make you think he was going to kill himself. And I thought maybe for a little while, like, well, it's a standalone movie. Maybe they would do that. But at the same time, I also can't envision you doing that on an origin story so it's right. like the only way this plays out is that he shoots robert de niro on tv yeah and it's like why have robert de niro you know character at all if you weren't gonna do something like that yes that's just where my my movie movie brain goes of, yep. well clearly he's gonna be involved somehow not just a talking head right yep totally agree um uh, okay so i i mentioned this and it sounded like you yes. had something to say so out with it so <laughs> the music choice when he uh decides to go full on joker mm-hmm. uh hops in the elevator um we have a special tie here in kansas city to that song um that's when uh that's when we score touchdowns at arrowhead <laughs> <Right>. yeah <laughs> and so half of me was like is that exclusive to arrowhead or do other stadiums use that that song, same song, and I believe you you mentioned that you you, you believe it's uh, exclusive to Arrowhead. Well, I I should say that I believe that the Chiefs used it primarily for their touchdowns, and I think we were the ones that heavily used it like solely for that purpose. But it's known as an arena song. Like, remember the Jock Jam CD back in the day? Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it was on that. So I mean, it's clearly played at or was played at sports arenas all over the world before they found out that you know the guy who wrote it was a pedophile uh but yeah i mean so i think that people think of it as like a sports anthem but i think we here in kansas city even worse have it i mean it was it was just i couldn't do it i can't i can't do it so so you did not like it no and i i get that people are saying like well that was him celebrating becoming the joker and then once the cops come out up at the top of the steps and see him it switches to like more of the orchestral stuff or maybe it switches a little bit before that but so I can get maybe if that's what they were going for, that it was a celebration of becoming the Joker finally. But that song is, is a, is a deal breaker for me. So my wife pointed this out and her observation of that is that's the song he was hearing in his head. Yes. And so that was his, like you said, celebration. That's him getting amped up. Um, and then when it got to the end, that was more of what, the audience was should be hearing. Yeah. But as he was dancing on the steps, is that's that's inside his head and that's the song he's hearing right now. Which I, made it fit more for me. Agreed. I, I can get behind that um idea. I still cannot get behind that song. It's just it's not it <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't work for me in any way, shape or form. And I think it's multi layered. I think I don't think I would have liked that song anyways. And then with the Chiefs influence, um I really don't like that song because I just I don't know. It's been ingrained in me from such a young age that this is how you hear that song. And it's not like I get, it could be like a, a weird dissonance of not fitting intentionally, but that song just, uh, yeah, just don't like it. Um, I, I don't have a good alternative for it, but I think there would be, I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of YouTube videos come online 
with dubs of music that they think would fit better. Kind of like how you can go out to YouTube and find the uh, Infinity War scene with uh, Led Zeppelin instead of the Avengers theme. I, I think there'll be right. people do that with this scene. Well, I think I enjoyed it more because it was... See, I, I view Arrowhead as the happiest place on Earth. Um, <laughs> and so when, whenever I go, it brought me to that. And so um, while I thought it was kind of out of place because I was picturing Arrowhead, I, en- I enjoyed it because, you know, just mentally I enjoy that song because I feel right. like we just scored a touchdown. <laughs> now, had he been dancing down the steps of Arrowhead? Now, I would be in full support of that scene being using that song doesn't matter <laughs> that just would have been cool all right you got anything else to say about this before we head to our questions i say let's uh let's get to our questions all right i am thor son of Odin. as long as there is life in my breast i am running out of things to say are you ready all right so what are you rating it Okay, so I, like you mentioned earlier, uh, was really waffling between a four and a half and five. Um, I thought the absolute lowest anybody could possibly give this movie was a four, and I've seen lower online, which it baffles me. Um, but I was bouncing between four and a half and a five. I didn't know if I was giving it a five because I felt like I was supposed to, or if I was giving it a four and a half because I was being a contrarian to those that were giving it a five. <laughs> and so it was, like, it was like, how well did I truly enjoy this movie? Uh, and so I, I did land on a five. I did really enjoy it. I liked, um, I mean, Joaquin was, was awesome. I like how they, they tied everything together. I did have a few things I would change, as we, we talked about earlier. But uh, um, no, this was this was done really, really well. Okay. What did you land on? I, I was same as you, man. I, I debated on the four and a half and five. I am very stingy with my fives. I think the things that tipped me over though i mean aside from the great score and cinematography the writing clearly the acting i think the thing that tipped me over was what we talked about in the beginning is that i thought it would be good but i had reservations and it crushed those and the fact that it is a whole new take on a comic book movie like you could say the same thing about you know deadpool tried to be different but this is this makes the gritty Nolan movies uh, not look so gritty. And that was kind of the threshold for, you know, kind of real superhero movies. And I, again, no, this is not a superhero. And, you know, even Logan pushed that bar. But this is something else entirely. And I've never seen anything like it uh, in this realm. And it, it was just kind of wholly refreshing across the board to see a company go out on a limb and and nail it so uh, there's a lot of context yeah. for it but i also really enjoy the movie so it's a five for me yeah it does give me hope of of what's to come especially when you see how much money it's making you know, mm-hmm. like is that that steers studios and so uh, as long as it keeps making money then we could get more more different yep and and that's what uh that's what i'm looking for out of my my comic book movies because i want them as a genre to stay yeah <laughs> I just really think, like we talked about earlier, they need to acknowledge that there are older comic book fans and there right. are younger comic book fans. And there's people who like their comic books to come in all sorts of varieties. I mean, at comic book movies, I mean, in the context of this show. But there is a room there for an R-rated universe while still having a PG-13 universe. And I think what we would figure out is that people are going to be okay with separating the two i think it'll be painfully obvious which ones you should take your kids to and not take your kids to and i think 
there's room enough to make money for both of them. Yeah, and people that say, well, my kid wants to see Batman, but this is R-rated, but I'm going to take him anyway because it's Batman. Well, it's R-rated for a reason, yeah. lady. Right. You know, and I'm assuming she's a lady that says that. <laughs> sure. Um, but it's like, it's like don't, don't just say, oh, it's Batman, so you can go. Oh, it's right. R-rated, so I guess I'm sure they cuss. You know, <laughs> right. Just just watch it first, you know, be be a good steward to your, your kid if you're worried about that. Yeah, or you'll have a little Arthur Fleck on your hands. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your favorite scene? Uh, we talked about this one, but mine was the whole scene in his apartment where he kills the big clown and the door is locked. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's the tipping point. It's the boiling point. You aren't sure what is about to happen next. It was violent. Um, you know, you think he's going to let the guy go, but then you think he's not going to let the guy go like on several different occasions. So to me, it was really disconcerting as a audience person because I just didn't know what was going to happen next. And I wasn't sure what we were going to see. And I think that is like the perfect encapsulation of everything. The Joker should make you feel. And it nailed it in that one scene. No, that's, that's a a fantastic scene. And I'm not going to argue with you there. Uh, And I think you're going to understand why I picked what I did. Um, But the, the blood smile is Mm -hmm. what did it for me. Yep. Uh, Standing on the, the car, taking the blood from being in the car wreck and making the smile. And his face when he did it and like the realization of what's happening and it it's all of a sudden that's Joker. Like that's what I was waiting for all movie. Yeah. I, I'm glad that it wasn't it wasn't done differently. Mm-hmm. Um but that uh that made it Joker to me. Yep. And I, I love that that's happening simultaneously with Bruce in the in the alleyway. So like there's no recognition that those two events are tied together, like from the character's viewpoint, but from our viewpoint, it's there and it's perfect. It's like the birth of both of them at the same time. Agreed. Agreed. So I have a, I have a pretty good guess of what you're changing. Yeah. But I'll let, uh, let you say it. Oh <laughs> well, yeah. We just talked about it. You, you got to get the Hey song out of there. You got to find but something you, but else. But you had to change it with what? You got to have. I, I would have been fine with just the score that they shifted to. Honestly, I, I really enjoyed the score of this movie. I thought it, it, built up the moments of insanity perfectly. It, it matched every scene perfectly. And I remember sitting there in the theater thinking when it shifted to the orchestral music thinking, Oh, why did, why didn't they just have this, this, this works. Or even um, the smile song that they keep playing, you know, the bits and pieces throughout, like, like play that. But yeah, Hey, just didn't work for me. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I mentioned that I wanted him to be Joker sooner, but that's fine. Um, I took out the, uh, the Wayne is his father. Okay. Just that whole, I thought there, there was already a connection between his mm-hmm. mom working there and then being cast aside, um, of, for him to have resentment against the rich and, and Wayne enough to bring him up in the interview, you know, all that stuff. Um, him and his brother could have been done differently and I didn't, I didn't need any of that. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, out. yeah, I don't disagree with you on that at all. I like the payoff of how it played out because it kind of bridged into the insanity that we talked about later or the, the adoption and his mom being insane and everything like that. I agree with you. But that they couldn't could have, have been done. Anybody else? Yeah. I do totally agree with you. I'm just saying that they did it and then I'm okay with how they paid it off. But I agree with you that it didn't need to be there. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. What was your casting change? So I got rid of Thomas Wayne. Okay. Um, because he did not look Thomas Wayne to me. He looked sleazy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's maybe that's what they were going for uh, of somebody who could have cheated on his wife and so had. Can I you know, can, can I add something in here? Okay. So this is also my change. Okay. And, and I didn't have a good option for it, so I'm just gonna we're gonna combine these two. But I also want you to know that Alec Baldwin was originally cast as Thomas Wayne. I'm I'm no. Well, right. I I like it better, but but no, at the same time. But I just I felt the need to tell you that because I think it confirms what you're saying about almost making Thomas Wayne cast as sleazy because I I Alec Baldwin sleazy. Let's just, I mean we'll just say it. <laughs> so I think you're right in that they were kind of trying to cast somebody that would I look sleazy. But he's he can be. I mean, are you saying in in real life? Yeah, uh, I'm I just, just saying that's not the roles that he's typically cast in. Right, right. So okay, so finish yours because I, I don't have this, but I wanted to let I wanted to say I'm on the same page as you. But I'm interested to hear where you're going because I got nothing. Yeah, because I mean, if you're any Batman lore, Thomas Wayne is the the shining light, you know. And I felt like that's what they were trying to do based on his mom. Of he's running, he's going to fix the city, whatever, and then you get this dark side of him that ends up not being there. But I don't know if they're just trying to make you believe that by this casting or right. And, and that and the fact that he was in the Dark Knight Rises, I yep. don't like that either. That either. Completely um, agree. And so I, I had to get him out of there. I just didn't didn't like him as Thomas Wayne. Um, and so the other challenge was. We we don't let you change the casting change and something about the movie at the same time. Right. You know? And so I couldn't change the script. So it still had to have somebody that could be not only a nine-year-old's father, but also a uh, 44-year-old's father. <laughs> right. You know, so I was kind of put in a box of who I, who I wanted there. And so I ended up with a, uh, a, a stately gentleman okay. who I believe could be the shining hope of, uh, but also could have that scene with Arthur. Uh, a believable scene with Arthur in the bathroom. And I went with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I can see it. I can kind of see that as, as Bruce Wayne's dad. Yes. Um, on TV doing the interviews in his, yeah. his suits and running for office. Yeah. I kind of feel like I would just cast a nobody. I don't think that well, needed to be. They did a, basically. Well, I mean, but, you know, I mean, he's at least somewhat Ed Martell from the replacements, <laughs> right? Is, I mean, is, he, he's a that guy. You'd be like, okay, I've seen him in things, but I mean, Alfred was a nobody. Bruce was a nobody. So I kind of feel like maybe you just don't have Thomas Wayne be anybody that you would recognize. But I mean, not him, and you just pick somebody else in the universe. I feel yeah, like that's... I, I mean, no, I think that's I think that's a viable casting change. You just say, look, this role should not have been anybody that you could recognize. Certainly not somebody from The Dark Knight Rises. Well, I don't like the ambiguity there. What of him <laughs> being in Dark Knight Rises? No, of uh, well, oh. that, but but of it being anybody because there's plenty of anybody's that I wouldn't want in the movie. Yeah, so, I, I feel like you could have made that role. A little... I need a look. I need a special look for <laughs> okay. for Thomas Wayne, who's who's a doctor and who's you know the the hope of Gotham. I'm not and... sure I'm on board with Pierce Brosnan. I think that would have been distracting to me. So yeah, but I do agree that Thomas Wayne was recast. I, I mean. I feel like the Thomas Wayne stuff is interesting because I, I I don't think you want somebody that you might think is sleazy. I think you need to have him be the shining light Thomas Wayne. Right. But just have his words be seen from the angle at which there's always two ways of interpreting things. And 
while he thinks he's trying to fix things, he doesn't realize the consequences he's having. Whereas that's where that bathroom scene with him and Arthur was a little, I don't know, interesting from a Thomas Wayne perspective. But I, I get what you're yeah. saying. Pierce Brosnan doesn't give you the the shady aspect of it. Yep. So what, was, what award did you give this? I'm going to put my flag in the ground and say that this is the best performance of 2019. We haven't we haven't finished 2019. Yep. That's why I said I'm putting my flag in the ground. I don't think it's going to get moved. I don't see looking at the schedule ahead because we've mapped out our episodes. We, we, we haven't seen the new Terminator yet. Uh, you're right, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> and I know we have Gemini Man coming I'll, next week. I'll, so. I'll, I'll let you put an asterisk next to <laughs> right. the Terminator. I yeah. will. I will eat crow if I change this. But looking <laughs> at the schedule, I do not see anything coming in the next few months that would beat Joaquin Phoenix's performance. And I would have to kind of go retroactively look at the last couple of years to see if it's even the best performance of the last few years. Um, Cause I'm just not ready to think of movies off the top of my head like that, but it's, it's one of the best performances of the last several years, I would say. Yeah. And because it's not jumping out last year's lineup, um, I, I think it's better than any of the ones that I saw last year, not being able to think of them. Right. No. So I can get on board with that. Okay. Uh, to me, this is the most uncomfortable in a theater I've ever been. Wow. Outside. Ever. Yeah. I mean, Midsummer made me uncomfortable for different reasons. <laughs> right. Um, but this was, again, I was very aware of everyone in the theater. Okay. And even people reach a lady sitting next to my wife, reaching into her purse, you know, and she left like three times to go smoke. Yeah. And it was like every time she left and came back and then she's reaching into her, I'm like, like this lady, you know, I don't, I don't know why I was focused so much on her, but just because the, the movement and the fact that she reeked of smoke, but it was, it was like anybody walking in and out and, and this, what was on screen was kind of disturbing. Also it was, it was the most uncomfortable I've been. And so I know you can't quantify that. Yeah. But no, that's um, a good one. I, I, I like so, that. So that's, that's, that's where I was. All right. All right. Last question. Then if you liked this movie, you would also like, well, I mean the, the layup comparable is taxi driver, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the, it's right there pretty much beat for beat. I think Agreed. Um, I, th- I did not pick that. I went with, uh, American psycho. Okay. Um, because it followed the psycho, um, right. the entire movie. It wasn't a, you know, half the cops trying to find them, half the psycho. It w- it truly followed Christian Bale through that entire movie and his plunge into darkness. Now, obviously mm-hmm. the feels are very different. Um, between those two movies. Um, but you have Batman going psycho and then you have the Joker going psycho. <laughs> yeah. So I liked it. Well, what's interesting about that one too is the class stuff is still there. It's just right. flipped on its head. You're The guy's losing his mind from the perspective of a Wall Street banker as opposed to uh, somebody who is working as a clown in an eight to five job. Yeah, trying to live up to the expectations of the one uppingness. Yeah. And just, it drives him crazy. Yeah, that's a good one. I did go with Taxi Driver just because it's it's so abundantly obvious uh, as to what those comparisons are and connections are supposed to be. It, it wears it on its sleeve. It's not trying to hide it, but it's a I mean, even casting Robert De Niro. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yep. And so it's, it's saying basically, hey, this is a new Taxi Driver. Right now, there's obviously things that come along with that because you know Taxi Driver's from the '70s, so you're talking about a movie that's you know 40 plus years old, and it's always tough to get back in those mindsets. And movie making has just changed. But generally speaking, if you the, the descent into madness and craziness and violence, that it's very much Taxi Driver. So I, 
you may not walk away thinking they're bullseyes, but you would have to walk away realizing that they're very much comparable. So I think if you like this, you, you got to at least go see Taxi Driver if you haven't already. It's fair. Wow. All right. So that's Joker. One of our, what, sorry, are you saying this is the best movie you've seen in 2019? Mm, best performance. Ooh, but not, wait, not best movie? I mean, you're comparing Joker to like John Wick? Uh-huh. Or yeah, Avengers? I'm yeah, I'm asking. I'll get back to you on that in our uh, year-end wrap-up. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> easy to say, one of the better movies that we've seen all year long, for sure. Yeah. And we get to now follow it up with Gemini Man next week. Big Willie and Little oh, Willie. Two Big Willies. <laughs> all right. Where can they find you on Twitter? At Carson Graff, G-R-A-F-F. All right, you can find me at at two views Garrett G A R R E T T. You can find the show on all the socials at at two views movies, or you can always email us at two views movies at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen. We are there. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating and review to let us know what you think. You mentioned it just a minute ago, but we are scheduled for Gemini Man next week. We will catch you next time. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both!